Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. surrounded by wolves this is what you should do kick the first wolf in the face catch it in midair use it as a bat to dispatch another wolf and then throw it at another one grab another wolf pick it up rapid fire elbow combinations throw it into the atmosphere such a display of dominance will cause the remaining wolves to scatter this one's easy guys good morning sweet world and welcome to the no dunks podcast on the athletic network it's thursday november 2nd 2023 i'm j.e skeets here in the classic factory and to my left it's the bearded woman top shot hot boy trey kirby hey hey oh and over yonder filling in for jd today it's the apprentice it's Eshua Kid. How y'all doing? What's up, Esh? Shout out to the stream team for joining us live on YouTube. Smash that like button. Make sure you subscribe. Trey, I got a question for you. Yes. What's your favorite Nirvana song? <laughs> Lithium. Yeah, good jam. Ooh, maybe In Bloom. Ooh, also great. Very, uh, very anything nice. that's featuring Dave Grohl heavily on the quads, on the drums. I love it. I ask you that because we have a Nirvana-inspired No Dunks t-shirt that I just wanted to remind you people of. This shirt's a banger. This shirt's a banger. Uh, go to nodunks.com. Get your No Dunks gear over there. You can get this in, uh, obviously, t-shirt form, hoodie form. Uh, I don't think you can get this one in tank top form, but man, that'd be sexy. You could get sexy. it with sleeves and cut them off. There you go. For a cool 80s, 90s rocker look. Pair it with a nice flannel. Yeah, exactly right. Kurt style. Uh, <laughs> Kurt style. So go to nodunks.com. Uh, I'm going to be reminding you here over the next couple weeks about all that great No Dunks merch as we get closer and closer to the holiday season. Okay, on today's show, uh, Ramona Shelburne of ESPN has an interesting article up on the James Harden, James Harden, excuse me, Daryl Morey era uh, ending, if you want to call it that, and we're going to break that down later. But we had 13 games on last night. We can't get to them all, but you know what we can do? We can draft the best games from last night, the most entertaining, whatever ones you want to talk about. Trey, I am a gentleman and a scholar. I'm going to give you the first pick in drafting the best games from last night's 13-game slate. What are you starting with? I'll be honest, Skeets, I didn't have this game on my draft board heading into the night. Okay. No De'Aaron Fox for the Sacramento Kings. We just saw the Warriors and Kings play less than a week ago. Mm -hmm. It was a classic game that time. But a high riser on the draft board, my number one pick, gotta be the Warriors rallying to beat the Kings last night. This was a fun one down the stretch, and I gotta say, we talked about teams that hate Steph Curry. The Kings have got to be flying up the leaderboard because the Splash Brothers were incredible in this one. I feel like there's a little bit of a little brother relationship between these two teams right now with the familiarity and some of the pieces transferring over, like Mike Brown coaching the Warriors, now being a coach of the Kings. The Warriors used to suck. It was the Warriors and Kings sucking together in California <laughs> for the longest of time. Now the Warriors are good, and the Kings are there, too, trying to follow in their footsteps. But this one really came down to institutional knowledge, I thought, too, uh, for the Warriors. We talk all the time about the mind meld between Steph Curry 
and Draymond Green, how Draymond is so good at finding stuff for shots. That's absolutely true. But don't sleep on the connection between Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Yeah. That one came through last night. There was an awesome setup from Clay dishing to Draymond for a layup underneath the hoop. The next play down, a back cut layup for Clay coming from Draymond. Then with 32 seconds left, Curry gets a bucket, which I thought was super smart and kind of the play that actually won the Warriors this game. They inbounded the ball with 38 seconds left, maybe, in the backcourt. Almost denied the entry to Curry, but when he gets it, he just flies up the court, doesn't allow the Kings a chance to double him, uh, gets the bucket. Next time down, a lucky bank in for DeMontis Sabonis. Mm -hmm. Not the smoothest play uh, for the Kings, but on the last possession, Sacramento does get a chance to double Curry. He gets off the ball pretty quickly, gives Draymond a chance to make a play. He finds Clay, who goes into a couple of drops, Dribbles, pull-up jumper from about the free-throw line, cash, game over. Like I said, no De'Aaron Fox in this one. And you could definitely tell for the Kings, I thought, in the final minute of this game. Not nearly as organized as they are. Didn't have the fallback plan of if something's going poorly, he's just going to hit a 15-footer, which we've seen time and time again. But uh, another classic in this one. I don't know if the Warriors yet consider this a rivalry, (laughs) uh, but the Kings got to be heated because they keep getting so close to beating the Golden State Warriors, and they just can't quite get over the hump. It's got to be so infuriating if you're a Kings fan, oh. because like, yeah, you have no Fox, and you're still in this game, and you do a decent enough job. You held the Warriors to 102 points. I thought the defense was sort of on point there. Even that one where they did get the ball out of Curry's hands, like anybody but this guy beating us at the end. Good job. And what happens? Well, the other Splash Brother obviously steps yeah, yeah, into yeah, yeah. Uh, a pretty easy jumper. But you're right. You pointed out how uh, how smart a play that was from Draymond to see that. And uh, Clay, who didn't have a great game, uh, he shot 6 of 15, only 1 of 4 from deep, but hits the one that counts. But uh, you're right, man. This is definitely little brother syndrome oh, here. Time. And uh, I sort of like it in a weird way. I almost, like, I almost want to say I like it for Kings fans in a weird way. Like a lot of good teams, I mean really great teams if we're being honest, They usually have to go through like that one particular squad that's like always in their way and always has their number until you can finally become one of those respected teams. And I guess it's just the Warriors for this Sacramento Kings squad. Um, So, you know, it makes it entertaining in a strange way. Uh, But they fought and they played good D and it's like, uh, can you take anything from a loss? Sure. Why not? You're still in it. You're telling me this is a moral victory eh, for the, the Kings? tiniest, the tiniest, the tiniest of moral it. victories. Real yeah. victories are the ones that count. And they should have won this game. The Kings should have. They got 14 offensive rebounds. They forced 17 turnovers for the Warriors. They took 23 free throws. Those are numbers for a winning team. But mm-hmm. the clutch play tilted towards the Warriors. And maybe it's because Chris Paul closed for Andrew Wiggins. I thought that True. was kind of interesting. Yep. Uh, especially considering how well... Sacramento did on the glass against the Warriors, but a tight game here, and it was a small Warriors lineup uh, outside of Draymond and Looney there. Uh, Three guards, basically, but you needed all three of them to get it done. And one final Warriors player that you had been questioning here earlier in the year, not to put words in your mouth, but Dario Saric. Uh, You were wondering, uh, is this guy the uh, sort of answer here? He had a good game for them. Hit three threes, six and nine from the field in 20 minutes, gave him 15 points off the bench. He did work on the glass as well and a couple dimes too. So I I would say that was his best game so far here for the Warriors this season. Hey, no surprise it comes with Chris Paul coming off the bench. There you go. Yeah. Pair him with him. Yes. Makes all, some sense. All these guys look better with Chris Paul passing them the ball. It's crazy. Hall of Fame point guard. Yeah. It helps. Welcome uh, to the bench. All right. So Trey's number one pick, Warriors getting past the Kings by one. Uh, I will have for my number one pick, I'll stick in California. California. Lakers. That was a wizard reference for you. Lakers hold off the Clippers. 
130 to 125 in overtime. They snapped an 11-game losing streak, the Lakers did, to the Clips yeah. in the L.A. Yeah, yeah. rivalry. Uh, LeBron, a monster, 35 points, 12 boards, 7 assists. He ended up playing 42 minutes to secure the win. Uh, <laughs> he had a minutes restriction for one game. Yeah, they said, you can't gone. go over 30 just tonight. Guy's throwing down alley-oop dunks in overtime. Guy's losing his shoe and then screaming in transition, God, getting this. the ball and dunking it at his age. But he was awesome. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, another good game, 27 points. AD, 27-10. But... I think the uh, the big story for the Lakers fans from this one was Austin Reeves' sort of like coming out party here for this season. Uh, seven of his 15 points in overtime. He had a huge and one uh, late in this game. Filled up the rest of the box score. I think he had seven boards, seven assists as well. So that's nice that you get him going a little bit. And Christian Wood, another 10 and 11. He had a huge block on Zubats. Uh, in overtime, I thought Westbrook should have shot that one. He was right at the rim. He sort of just handed it off to uh, Big Z there, and, yep. and Wood got him from behind. And then Christian Wood sealed the win with a putback dunk. I mean, no one near him uh, for the Clippers. No one putting a body on him, and he dunked it home. So a little defense, a little offense there from Wood, and a very entertaining game. Uh, it was sort of cool to see you know LeBron and AD playing for the Lakers, and oh my God, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George playing big minutes in a back-to-back situations and both performing. Paul George fouled out in overtime, but he had 20 of his 35 in the fourth quarter, including eight points in the final minute. And then Kawhi had 38 points. Uh, Again, in a back-to-back, he says he's going to play all 82 games. What? Kawhi Leonard says he's going the distance. (laughs) Um, Big cake fan. Yeah, so anyway, this is very entertaining when you have all the stars out there. Uh, The Lakers nearly gave it away at the end, but... They got it done in overtime. Just, just had to put more minutes on LeBron. Probably not what they wanted to do, but they got the dub. Not dissimilar to last season when we're like, man, LeBron is playing an absolute ton of minutes and the Lakers need every one of them. That has been the case so far in the early season here. As you've seen, Reeves struggle out of the gate. D'Angelo Russell has definitely been up and down. But you totally hit the nail on the head here. The biggest news for the Lakers in this one is that Reeves made a bunch of really, really clutch plays. You mentioned uh, the and one. He was the one that threw the oop to LeBron. That was crazy. Uh, Had a pull up with about a minute left. And then a huge board with 30 seconds left. Like, that's helpful. Uh, Pulling down... Uh, a game-ending rebound, basically. And then, yeah, Christian Wood, I was impressed. You hit on uh, the block, the follow dunk. At the end of regulation, he had a wide-open three from the corner, dished it to, I think it was Russell, on the wing for a three. Russell missed, but you're like, that's a pretty unselfish play yeah. from Christian Wood. <laughs> he could have easily taken that one. He has done exactly what the Lakers have asked from him. He's competing defensively. He's helping out on the glass. And he looks like he can play alongside LeBron and AD in these pretty big lineups. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, That's my final sort of note here from this game. Uh, Darvin Ham unleashing a Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, Anthony Davis lineup at one point in this game. And that three-center lineup, they went on a 15-5 to run. It, like, shocked the Clippers. Hayes, Wood, and AD. That's some three giant dudes there, and it did work in this one. And, uh, you know, maybe a reason we saw that is the Lakers were – Fairly shorthanded. They were down four of their top, probably nine rotation players. Still no Jared Vanderbilt. He's out with uh, an injury. Rui Hachimura, he was out with concussion symptoms. Gabe Vincent was out due to swelling in his knee. And then Torian Prince, who has played really well for the Lakers early in the season, he experienced uh, soreness in his knee during warm-up, warm-ups, and he ultimately was a DNP CD there. So that's uh, that's four guys there. A lot of wing depth, too, that uh, they were lacking. So maybe that's why we saw the... The big lineup there. Yeah, the giant guys. I would have liked to see Alex Fudge get a run here. Those <laughs> oh, that would have been nice. That was <laughs> the day after Halloween? Hmm, sweet. <laughs> I can't believe that was the first time the Lakers 
had beaten their local rivals since 2020 in the bubble. Yeah, that I, is amazing. I forget what broadcast I was listening to earlier this week, and they're like, the Clippers have kind of owned the Lakers in the past few years. I'm like, really? I know. The Lakers won a championship in 2020. I do remember that, but yeah. Went to a conference finals last year. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the regular season a little bit different, yeah. uh, but it has been true in the regular season. The Clippers are winning. Okay, so uh, Warriors-Kings, gone. Lakers-Clippers, gone. Uh with the number two pick uh, for your draft, who are you going? What game are you going with? I was thinking this was going to be my number one pick heading into the night: the Pelicans versus the Thunder. About three quarters of the way through, I was thinking if this was on Letterboxd, this is only a three-star game. Mm. You know, a twenty-two point lead for OKC in the first half, but we know first half leads—they're not real skeeds. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So a huge comeback from OKC. Then it kind of looked like it was going to be an analog to that Timberwolves-Hawks game we saw a couple of nights ago where Minnesota got off to a huge, huge start. They were blowing it out, and then it completely flipped on the other side, and the Hawks ended up blowing them out. OKC took a big lead into the fourth quarter here. Shade Gilgis-Alexander sprained his ankle, so he was having to gut through some things. I thought C.J. McCollum was incredible in this one. I thought Jonas Valanciunas helping bring the Pelicans back was really big. In the second half, basically, New Orleans took a lot fewer threes and they just started getting to the rim because they obviously have a size advantage over a skinny Oklahoma City Thunder team. Um, But yeah, this was a fun game. I ended up giving this one a three and a half stars on uh, Letterboxd because (laughs) it was exciting, but it was exciting because both teams were pretty brutal in the clutch. The Pelicans kept missing free throws and layups. (laughs) They scored five points the last four and a half minutes of this game. Wow. But they still won because Oklahoma City had five possessions, I think, uh, according to my count, where they could have tied or taken the lead in the final two and a half minutes. They didn't take the lead or tie the game at all. They just could not make open shots. They could not get into the right kind of shots. I thought Shea Gilgis-Alexander was having a weird one. Maybe it was because of the ankle injury, but uh, take some quick shots. And then on their final possession, it just took OKC forever to get into their action and a kind of desperation heave from SGA, but uh, a fun, exciting game. I thought pretty good of the Pelicans to actually be able to hit back on this one, Yeah. Uh, especially considering they're not a three-point shooting team, so it can be hard for them to make up a big deficit. Not the case last night, though. Yeah, this was a nationally televised game. This one's on ESPN, and it's 33-14 to 14 in the first quarter, yeah. and, like, Giddy getting anywhere he wanted to. Uh, Giddy the jump shots. Yeah, they had a big guy on him. He blew by him. He had a smaller guy on him. He sort of did work on him, uh, so he was on fire. But, yeah, the credit to the Pelicans for storming back and then taking control of the game and then hanging on, like you said at the end. Yeah, three and a half stars, three stars uh, on Letterboxd there. Uh, I think that's correct. But entertaining, I mean, entertaining. The, the Thunder had a chance, had chances as you went through. They just could not hit a three. I mean, seven for 34, SGA 0 for five yeah Dort hitting some I think uh where did you come from where did you go Isaiah Joe hit a couple and then really really everybody else struggling struggling from distance uh that's like 20 percent I think 70 uh, 7 for 34 yeah 21 percent if you want to round up so uh Pelicans man three and one Thunder three and two and these are two uh you know two teams that people if both squads stay healthy uh, and even the Pelicans are fully That's healthy right. because their bench is fairly thin because they're missing a lot of guys. Uh, you know, people are excited about these up-and-coming teams, I think, and and want to to see them in, like, a seven-game series in a, in the postseason. Yeah, and kind of differing styles, too, with the, yeah. the beefy bros that are inside for New Orleans. Like, I think Chet Holmgren will be telling his kids someday about Jonas Valanciunas just putting him in the basket time and time again. Jonas is a... 
throwback kind of player. He's a, certainly a masher. Obviously, Zion likes to live inside, too. And Chet was competing, uh, but he's still outweighed by almost 100 pounds with those guys. Uh, so fun to watch. My number two pick from last night's games, I'm swerving so hard here. I'm taking Tatum scoring 30 as the Celtics crush the Pacers 155-104. That's right. I'm taking a 155-104 to game as my number two pick. But here's my thinking. There's 13 games on last night. And Survivor. There's mm-hmm. too much television. Mm-hmm. Too much action. We actually needed games like this. We needed games where a 20-point first-half lead was real, Trey. That mother effer at the back of the plane was real in this instance because right. we could just tune out. Boston opened a 10-point lead in the first three minutes against the Pacers. They made it 20 in the second quarter, 30 in the third, and it got up to high as 53 there in the fourth. Uh, They shot 76% in the first quarter. This team is undefeated. I wanted to slip in some Boston love here. They haven't played a bunch of world beaters, nor have the Mavericks, really, that are another undefeated team, but they're taking care of business. And the Celtics here, man, like this upgrade from Marcus Smart to Drew Holiday, like... (laughs) It looks, it looks awesome through four games. Like, this starting lineup is stacked. They had 75 points at halftime for the second straight game. Thank you, Boston, for uh, at least uh, taking <laughs> one off the board very early that we could tune out. No Halliburton for the Pacers. They desperately miss him. Uh, but this team is just, they're an offensive juggernaut. And it's like an easy 30-12 for Tatum. He didn't play the fourth quarter. 30-12, and 12, four assists, hit three threes. Uh, but he's not in the MVP conversation right now. I didn't watch a minute of this game, Skeets. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here, man. Yeah, I, I had yeah. it on. I had it on my multi view, and that score just kept getting bigger. Yeah, and exactly, bigger and exactly. Bigger. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll tune in here. It'd be cool to see a fast-paced Celtics game against the Pacers. But no thanks. One fifty-five. Listen to this. Boston's 155 points was the most for the franchise. Since 1958-59, we're talking koozie. Talking koozie. And Bill Russell. And Tommy Heinsohn. Holy crap. 155 points. That's a lot. I know we get some crazy scores nowadays. That is a ton of points in regulation. So there you go. I'm swerving with a blowout for game two. Back to you. Number three pick from last night. Lots Uh, left on the board. Yeah, and a huge reach at the number four pick. People (laughs) are talking about that as a Patrick Williams-esque pick here. (laughs) But with the number three pick, my number three pick, number five overall, uh, the Timberwolves. They smoked the Nuggets last night. Mm -hmm. Denver sucks now. Finally lost the game. It took months, literally months, for them to lose a game. But the Timberwolves led the entirety of this game. Mike Malone said afterwards the Timberwolves came out looking for revenge, and they definitely got it. Kind of double revenge, double motivation, if you will, after blowing the lead against the Hawks. They came out, got off to a huge lead here. And then it was real. Shout out to John Schumann there in the second half. Led buzzer to buzzer. I thought Minnesota was pretty good on offense, but I thought they were great on defense. Denver only scored 89 points. That's a season low, obviously, for the Nuggets. They also had 15 turnovers and just 10 free throw attempts for Denver on the night. Then, on the flip side, Minnesota was using that defense to their advantage. 16-9 on the fast break. 26 for 27 at the free throw line. The Timberwolves can actually match the size that the Nuggets have across positions. That's true. There are a lot of times when they're playing Gobert, Towns, and Kyle Anderson, who's a sizable dude at the three, so they're able to kind of go head-to-head with Jokic, Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. The Nuggets just didn't look very connected to me on defense here. You're going to lose a game every now and then, but they had only trailed for four minutes and 17 seconds through the first four games of this season. 
They trailed for 48 minutes last night <laughs> in the win, so the stat is out the window. Yeah, man. Uh, the Wolves The wolves are going to be, I, uh, I fear, one of these infuriating teams to, like, follow or oh, if yeah. you gamble on. Like, I just don't think you know what you're going to get from night to night because they looked Maybe so. incredible in this one, improved to 2-2. Two and two. Uh, The stat that jumped out to me is like, Jokic, okay, still 25-10, and 10, even in a, in a shitty performance. He only shot 11-23. Three assists? For Jokic, that's weird to see a number that low in the box score next to the Joker, and then you pair that with five turnovers. So I think if you can do that, you, you if you have that stat there showing up that Jokic has more turnovers than assists, you like your chances to win the game. So yeah, credit there to to the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's a that's a big win. Hey man, I was told they they played them better than anyone in last last year's postseason. Maybe it's true. At uh, the very least, I think you can look at the Timberwolves playing the Nuggets and say, we probably got to have two big guys out there. It ain't going to cut it if you're even like a Bam Adebayo, like not the hugest center, one of the best defensive players in the league. We saw how the finals went. You got to have two. Uh, Just one to take the bumps and one to help over top, kind (laughs) of. Yeah, probably. All right, I like that pick. Uh, With my third pick, sixth overall, drafting last night's games, I almost had it in my two spot, but I bumped it down because it was a pretty gross ending, uh, if I'm being honest. The Nets rallied in the second half to beat the Heat 109-105 to add to Miami's miserable 1-4 start here. I think that's four straight. I think they uh, won their opener. Uh, Fun story from this one, though. Armani Brooks. Remember that name? Former Hawk. That's right. Former Raptor. Uh, I think he had a cup of coffee there. (laughs) A couple games played. Anyway, on Tuesday, Brooks was in the G League on Long Island. You say on Long Island, not in Long Island. They get very mad if you say in. Uh, And he was told, hey, we need you up here, man. Get on a flight to Miami, or down here, I guess I should say. Uh, So after that workout with the G League team, he joined the big boys. And this guy, he comes off the bench, hits five threes, gave him 17 points in 16 minutes, helped, you know, ignite this rally along with Trendon Watford. Uh, you remember him? He played for the Blazers. I do remember That's him. That's right. It was he shows his... up in a Zach Lowe column every now and <laughs> That's then. That's right. He played great. Uh, sort of asked almost to be a point guard in, in a weird way. He's a big dude. He had 11 points, four boards, four assists, and a steal in 14 minutes. But these bench guys really got things going for the Nets here. And uh, it was Brooks and Watford beating the Miami Heat, which is wild. Because the Nets were down Claxton. They were down Dinwiddie. They were down Cam Johnson. No Dennis Smith Jr. there as a, as a backup point guard. So it was these guys. And then Bridges sort of sealed the deal at the end. But, man, I got to say, the NBA... Their YouTube page saying, like, wild finishes, fantastic finishes. <laughs> they give us the great cut. I don't think they needed to do it with this one. It was a close game, but it was a lot of missed shots and not the greatest execution for both teams, I would say, down the stretch. But the Nets got it done, and uh, <laughs> Nets culture beats heat culture on, on this night. It was a good, weird, scrappy win here by a bunch of, like, no-name Nets guys, if we're being honest. Yeah, uh, I agree. This was not a fantastic finish, though it was branded as such. My two takeaways from this were just disgusting offense from the Miami Heat in the fourth quarter. It was, they were outscored 34-22, to 22, but they also got two, like, garbage time. I mean, it's kind of hard to have garbage time in a four-point game, but they kind of worked. Tyler Hero hit a couple of threes yeah. late, so they really scored 16 points when they were trying to, and it looked like every possession was a struggle for them to even get Did Jimmy, some like, sort touch of shot. the ball in most of these Possessions? Not a ton. It was definitely more so hero. I guess he took five shots. Bam, zero assists. Bam chucked up one. At yeah, the Bam race. chucked. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, not 
not a great look uh, for the Heat. And I also thought that Bam and Tyler Hero are wearing LeBron James in 2012 style headbands. These things are so wide. Skates, yeah, yeah. The Tyler Heroes like folds over. It's so big. Yeah. But Jimmy Butler has a normal sized one. So I know they're out there. Are you panicking about the Miami Heat here? After this, uh, <laughs> no, one man, I buried them last year. I was like, this yeah. team sucks. They want, they, they're doing this. They're it's, doing it's it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we're dead. We suck. <laughs> Write us off. Yeah, Bury exactly. Us. But it's, it's not pretty. Uh, no, this game was ew, gross. You're right. It was all yeah. hero down the stretch. And I mean, he scored a lot, but Jimmy was like nowhere to be seen in this one. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, yeah, good on the Nets couple victories here again this this felt like nets of old like i'm talking like the pre Kyrie kd sort of nets version where it was a bunch of like who's that that guy he's in the league and like they sort of like all bonded together and surprised a lot of people and that's what this type of victory was did you see ben simmons shoes those bright blue shoes i guess i did because he's got the entire black uniform yeah, he's got yeah, the yeah. black leggings they really pop there um, I know you're a, a soul man. Yeah, I was busy looking at headbands last night. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, 11 ahead. rebounds, though, for Simmons. He is 14th in the league in rebounding right now. Hitting That's the glass. weird. 10 yeah. boards a game. Yeah, he can do it. He can do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if, if all they're asking for him is the rebound, then he's doing great. <laughs> hey, they got the victory. Uh, all right, we'll make this our final pick here. We're going to leave a lot left uh, on the board. Uh, what is your fourth pick, seventh overall from last night's games? You know how uh, sometimes late in the second round of a draft, uh, <laughs> a team will take a player from a local college or maybe that went to high school nearby just for the good vibes? Yeah, that's what I'll be doing with my pick. That's but... what I'm doing with this pick as well. <laughs> <laughs> the Mavs beat the Bulls last night. Tight one all night, like 20-plus lead changes in this game. It was back and forth the entire time. The Bulls actually did a really good job of forcing other Dallas Mavericks, besides Luka Doncic, to beat them. The other Dallas Mavericks did a good job of beating the Bulls last night. Bulls were doubling hard on Luka. He scored only 18 points, 5 of 16 from the floor, 6 turnovers to 10 assists for Luka. He did get to a triple-double. But, man, the Mavericks... Beat the Bulls the way you should beat them. If they're doubling Luka Doncic, you're going to have open threes, and the Mavs knocked them down. They hit 20 on the night. Tim Hardaway Jr. hit seven of them. Grant Williams hit seven of them. And in the fourth quarter, there were big three-pointers from Williams, from Jalen Hardy, and from Josh Green, and then another one from Grant Williams to really ice it. He held the follow-through in the corner. Uh, Just a great way to rub it in on somebody. Without Kyrie Irving out there, the Mavs needed to get offense from somebody else. The Bulls knew going in, if we can take Luka out of the game, we're going to have a chance. They played it close, but the other Mavs came through throughout the game and then in the clutch as well. Yeah, man. This is, uh, I got to take back everything I said about the uh, Mavericks uh, tanking at the end of last season to keep their pick. <laughs> it was smart. It was brilliant. Because <laughs> very smart. Derek Lively has been awesome for them. You know, 13 boards, six assists from the big man, you know, only seven points, but playing his role perfectly. We loved uh, the Grant Williams addition. He's awesome in this one. 25 for him, seven threes. Tim Hardaway Jr., the guy that I keep telling you is going to go for 50 points in one of these games. Well, he got nearly half of them last night, 24. He hit seven threes. And uh, yeah, the Mavs, like the Celtics, 4 0. Again. Schedule's been fairly kind. They haven't played a bunch of the best teams yet. But look, they're taking care of business, man. They're getting racking up these wins. 4-0, undefeated them in the Celtics. Yeah. I said that Luka had a triple-double. He only had seven rebounds. He was slacking last yeah, night. 18-10-7. Okay. But the Mavs play against the Nuggets in their next game. There we go. In Denver. 
Denver obviously coming off their first loss of the season. Should be a good one. Uh, my final pick, uh, yeah, I'm going local. Just to please the fan base, yeah, you know, sure. bring a bring a good kid in. Yep. Uh, the people saw saw him out on the courts, saw him in high school, mm-hmm. saw him at the community mm-hmm. college, mm-hmm. like you said. I will be drafting the Raptors victory because uh, Dennis Schroeder had 24 points and 11 assists. Very important to lead the Raps past the Bucks, 130 to 111. Excuse me. Toronto came into last night's game with the league's worst scoring offense. The worst offensive rating, they were making 33% of their threes, only 42.5% of their shots, which was almost dead last in the league. And they put up these type of numbers last night against the Bucks, just easily surpassing those numbers against Milwaukee. Um, I also tweeted the other night, I guess it was on Halloween night, Man, it turns out you really need a starting point guard in this league. Look, look at the Cavs without Darius Garland. They yes, had lost yep. to the Knicks. Look at the Grizzlies without John Morant. Hell, look at them without their star backup in Tyus Jones and them losing and they're 0 and 5. And then I said, and it was a it was a little bit of a a little gut punch. Look at the Raptors. Cuz they were struggling, especially after that brutal loss to the Blazers. Well, Schroeder shut me up. This guy was awesome. Phenomenal floor general last night. Some beautiful dimes. And the ball moved, 35 assists on 51 shots. This is what Darko was selling me on. And it was awesome. They just attacked the Bucks defense all night. Look, the Bucks defense looks looks shaky. Uh, you can, you can, if you're a guard, you've got that one circled because you uh, a lot of guards, if you go look at the game so far, even in their, in their victories, I think Hero had a monster game in yeah. one of the losses there. They're putting up some numbers. You can put, obviously, put Damian Lillard in action. Sort of the help comes. And they have a whole new defensive game plan under Griffin. They're trying to figure that out, I think. But swing that ball, and you're going to find an open player. And if you can hit your shots, you can win and beat them. And they just took care of business. So this was the best the Raptors have looked in a long time. Uh, Scotty Barnes has been amazing this season. I know it's probably not getting talked about a lot because they were struggling there and they don't have a great record so far. But he's been great. Siakam hit threes last night. And like I said, Schroeder... Huh. He looked like a point guard. He looked like FIBA Schroeder there. That was amazing. Did you see that pass he had to Pirtle? Oh, yeah. Where it looked like he was going to lay it in yeah. and like poof, threw it over his head. Good game. Dominant victory from the Raptors. They, they crushed him. Yeah, I think the Bucks have the worst defense in the league right now. Ah, uh, yeah, I believe that. I mean, they did just give up 130 the night prior, and we haven't played that many games, so it can be easily affected. I probably, they will not be the worst defense in the league at the end of the Ooh. season, but like you're saying, new personnel, new coaching, and a new scheme. And it looks like they're trying to figure out what's happening kind of on both ends of the court right now. We haven't seen a ton of Giannis and Dame Lillard pick and roll, something that the Bucks will want to have hammered out by the time they get to the postseason. Uh, but for now, yeah, they're looking like a team trying to find their way, not dissimilar to like LeBron and Dwayne Wade joining together with the Miami Heat all those years. And they started, what, nine and eight? And we're like, whoa, 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 things are, things are odd here. Mm-hmm. It's not fitting perfectly. Uh, after the start that Lillard had, 39 points, hitting the shots uh, in the Bucks season opener, it looked like it was going to be, hey, we're ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. Turns out you do need a little time together to make things work. Okay, so that's our picks. Um, who's left sitting in the green room that surprised you here? Uh, okay. <laughs> Who are they showing on camera? <laughs> just sitting there with their family, just shaking their heads, going, uh, using it as motivation that they were overlooked in the uh, first round of the draft. <laughs> I think the Cavs beating the Knicks 
They're probably a little upset. We saw them we play just the saw night them prior, play. but the Cavs looked really bad yeah. in the loss to the Knicks, and they hit back pretty hard mm-hmm. uh, last night. I'm also excited uh, to talk about the Wizards and the Hawks, but that's for later. Yes, yes, uh, yes. So that's like uh, an undrafted free agent that we're going to be picking up. <laughs> um, and maybe the Rockets. They got a victory. They got a win last night, so they probably want to be talked about. Shout out to the Rockets. Yep. Big dub, big dub. Good stuff for them. And the Blazers beat uh, beat the Pistons. I thought the Pistons were going to run away with that. But Portland got back into it. Shaden Sharp was huge in the second half. Shout out to Canada. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at ESPN's Ramona Shelburne's article titled Painting Silence in History, the final straw of the James Harden, Daryl Morey era. Don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Okay, still kicking it here in the Classic Factory. Hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe. Comment away there in the stream team. Podcast listeners, leave your boys a five-star rating and review. It's a segment we haven't done a lot here on No Dunks, but we're bringing it back. It's time for Read and Reacts. Grab your iPads, Grandpa. I like to turn on some heavy guitar music when I'm kicking back to read. <laughs> That's right. Makes you focus more. Very soothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so yes, ESPN's Ramona Shelburne yesterday uh, posting an article on the end, really, of the Harden Mori era. It was titled Paintings, Silence, and History. The final straw of the James Harden, Daryl Mori era. Uh, I have pulled... Some of the most uh, intriguing, interesting sort of parts from Ramona's article that I wanted to uh, throw at you and we could dissect. So first one, according to league sources, Harden and his camp became convinced Maury only intended to offer him a two-year deal with a team option on the second season if he declined his $35.6 million player option and became a free agent at the end of June. Essentially, turning in turning Harden into a year-to-year player. I start with this one, Trey, because we have been trying to figure out what did it? What really pissed James off? And Ramona's sources say it was this type of deal that they wanted to offer James that probably upset him after he had taken a pay cut to sort of help out the team the year prior. Thoughts? Hey, it's always the money. It's always the money. Ain't no surprise here. James Harden is 34. He doesn't want to be negotiating... A contract every single season. He wants to lock in some big money. And honestly, if I'm James Harden and I think about the way things went with Philadelphia, I signed a deal where I had a player option for the second year. 
Everybody said for that second year, just come back. Just play for them. Ball out. Have a great season. You'll get a max deal. He's probably thinking, that's what I just did. Right. I just signed a one-and-one contract, led the league in assists, two 40-point game in the playoffs. Some stinkers. (laughs) Don't mention that, but still, he did play pretty well last season. Yes. And was on the outside of the all-star conversation. Could have easily made it. I suppose you could have made a case for him for all NBA as well. What I'm saying is James Harden had a pretty good year last year. Helped Embiid win the MVP, something that's important to him, something that's uh, important to the 76ers franchise, I would have to believe. So to have to try and run it back of doing this every year, trying your best every year, that wasn't going to cut it uh, for James Harden. And I kind of agree with him a little bit uh, from that standpoint where he's like, everybody's saying, I just... I just did that. That's right. exactly what I was supposed to be saying. Um, but also, I can't imagine a team wanting to give James Harden a four- or five-year contract at this stage of his career. Right, right. It is, I think, that fascinating part of that little graph there is that, uh, yeah, we will have the team option. Exactly. Like, we right. will have the, exactly. uh, you know, uh, pull the parachute, right, in, in, in case uh, of it's emergency. It's going poorly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that pissed James off, apparently. All right, next part here. Um This is when sort of Harden was trying to get back with the team here recently before the trade to the Clippers. Quote, the Sixers asked Harden to do his training back at their facility in Camden, New Jersey, rather than accompany the team to Milwaukee for its regular season opener. When he later showed up at the airport for team flight, security informed him he was not on the manifest. (laughs) That inflamed the situation on both sides, sources said, and became what one source described as a final straw in the team's efforts to reincorporate Harden. The final straw is the manifest. Ah, uh, the manifest. James Harden's name. <laughs> Not on it. Hard guy to identify, too. Yeah. How embarrassing that must have been for James Harden to show up at, to show up at the private to airport. My bags are ready. Exactly. I got my shoes. Those guys are right there. I got my giant pants. I could see them through the window. <laughs> I could see PJ in the Let window. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they said, James, you're not on the list, man. We legally, I think it's illegal to allow you on this plane. <laughs> I don't know how uh, serious they take that manifest. I think they take it quite seriously. I don't know the regulations, uh, <laughs> Skeets, but it's not like uh, Markeith Morris showing up to the tarmac and they're being like sorry uh, we only got Marcus on <laughs> you know you're not the same guy but are you you can tell who James Harden is I think they could have squeezed him on if they wanted to yeah. but from his perspective surely he's saying oh they don't want me around which he didn't want to be around so he's kind of forcing their hand here as we saw when he didn't play uh, in game one it instantly launched an investigation by the league so I don't know the Sixers it, from all the reporting, it sounds like the Sixers are trying to like really toe the line on stuff, right? They weren't going to talk to Harden before he was able to sign a deal because they didn't want to get dinged for tampering again. Right, right. They don't want to get in trouble for resting a healthy player with the new PPP. So they're using a lot of rules and regulations to kind of keep him away from the team too. And he's saying, I'm trying to play here. Yeah. But also the Sixers are like... Things have not gone poorly yet, but what happens if you step on the court of a real game? Are you just going to completely dog your way out of here, which is 
I'm sure what the worry was. Right. <laughs> or injure yourself and, and then we got, yeah, so yeah, yeah, we yeah. have uh, quote-unquote damaged goods. Yeah, so I guess you could see why that was the uh, the final straw there, showing up to the airplane. As somebody said in the stream team, he sees PJ on the PJ. <laughs> and uh, they're saying, no, sorry, Mr. Harden. And this is a guy that's used to showing up to, like, uh, I assume clubs, and his name is on the list. Yeah. Uh, or, or not, and he's still allowed in. Oh, Easy James Harden's here. All right. Good ladies, let's go. Big night here. Um, but, yeah, he's, like, turned away. Whew. Nobody wants to go to the airport if they don't have to. Oh, my God, no. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care if it's, yeah, like an incredible, like, just pull up with your own you know, yeah. driver. Still, you had, to, you had to go out of your way to get there. Okay, next uh, piece here. This is an interesting what if uh, from, again, Ramona Shelburne's article. Quote, when disgruntled point guard Ben Simmons asked to be traded in the summer of 2021, Maury honed in on Harden as the trade target to play alongside a bead. Obviously, what ends up happening? Prioritizing him over players like Bradley Beal or De'Aaron Fox, league sources say. I pulled this because it is a fun, it's a fun what if, uh, that if Maury had targeted a Beal or a Fox instead of ultimately going with James Harden. What do you think? It's definitely interesting. Uh, I don't know. How does it make him, are they better or worse with either of those guys? I don't know. I know. Harden was such a good playmaker for Embiid. The pick and roll between those two was one of the most efficient plays in the entire league last season. And like I mentioned earlier, it helped get Embiid to his first MVP, which is something he had been gunning for for the past um, couple of seasons. I also remember uh, around this time that Tyrese Halliburton was a name who was in the mix for the 76ers. And that one is like a big time what if to me, considering he's so much younger uh, than Embiid as well. And obviously a great setup man. I don't know who would I who would I want to have between James Harden, Beal, and De'Aaron Fox. I'm probably going Harden. Wow. Yeah. For I, for like just right now, one year, win a championship, or obviously moving forward, Fox the youngest of the bunch. It would be between Fox and Harden yeah, for yeah. me. And uh, uh, still with the pointing out, I guess Bradley Beal did get injured. You know, during that season, too. I don't know, like, the timing of it all and how that all lines up. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. It's a big what if if Harden is never the trade target and it's another talented guard and how it works alongside Maxi, along with Embiid. Are, you are they Fox and Maxi together? I don't think. No, They're kind of similar no, players. I, I do agree with that. Yeah. I think Beal, to me, is the one that's like, oh, okay, that would have been. What's he ever done, man? I know, I know. Uh, all right, next one here. Quote, this is from Dory. Dory, Maury. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep swimming. Yeah. James changed my life, Maury says. He's one of the all-time greats. As time goes on, people will think about him in much more historic terms. What he did to change the game and change the NBA will get recognized more as the Twitterverse and the people who don't understand how good he is fade away. The Harden legacy, the nuanced legacy of James Harden. I just, uh, you know, we know how Maury feels. Do you think he's right do you think there's truth to this or or is the opposite actually going to be the case and you know the guy's the top 75 player of all time will people be like what him really what, what i know we're looking ahead projecting but what do you think nuanced is the right word yeah. and i actually do think daryl Morey is right when james harden is finally retired and all we see are his highlight clips and look at his basketball reference page for his statistics you're gonna be like this guy averaged 36 points a game for an entire season, mm-hmm. that's incredible. Right. He was like that. There was that one month where it was like forty and fifty every single night. He got close to winning the MVP a couple of times. He won the MVP. They were the closest to taking down the Warriors. They had the Warriors almost beat 
when the Warriors were at their absolute peak with Kevin Durant. Like, James Harden has fallen short so many times that it's kind of impossible to think of him as an all-time great player right now when yeah. we're seeing the way the end of his career is going. We obviously know that he doesn't have a ring on his finger. If he gets a ring, that probably changes things. Zach Lowe calls him the Carl Malona guards. It's so good. It's good. It's pretty good. It's good, but I don't know. I feel like another player that you could consider Harden similar to is Carmelo Anthony, who had a lot of individual success, not quite to the level of Harden, but was a scorer, and he's getting a lot more respect since he's been retired for a couple of seasons now. I think the same will go for Harden because the counting stats are just ridiculous. Yeah, it's a good point. When he's removed from the game and you are just firing up the basketball reference and you're just looking at the highlights, which are pretty incredible, obviously, especially assists, you're going to be like, it's going to blow your mind. Yeah. And, and and he's helped out in the idea of like the offensive revolution, too, mm-hmm. of the idea of just shooting a ton of threes and obviously uh, uh, pace and all that and even going small that he played a part in when he was with Houston. So, yeah, I, I get it. Um, but, man, does this guy... Well, a lot of those guys on the Clippers now, Westbrook, Harden, Paul George, Kawhi's already got a couple, but if they were to get a ring, and I don't think it's going to happen, not with the Clips, uh, man, it really does. Like It bumps them up in a lot of people's all-time rankings. Like They jump a lot of people. Wherever you have them, they they probably jump some other people. So, Uh, Yeah, I just thought that was fun. We know how Maury feels. This guy's got paintings of James Harden all in his house. Didn't pull that part. That was like the real... The real lead of the story. Yeah, I was uh, actually happy to see the painting because we'd heard a- about them. Yeah, yeah. You know he's got a painting, but you actually can get a look at it if yeah. you read Ramona's article. That's fairly nice. I guess he's got a he's got an Embiid one too. Yeah, he's got an Embiid one. Yeah. Um, would you ever have a painting like that in your house? Uh, of you? Because <laughs> you have a beard. <laughs> Uh, you no, you no, actually no. have a very similar uh, side profile to James Harden. Uh, that's absolutely true. Have you ever true. heard that? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that before. A lot of people call me the white James Harden or the gray James Harden, uh, depending. Um, I thought you would have to you would have to get like a Kyle Lowry painting. Oh, oh, you're you saying... got to get your favorite player. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it would be it would be either Lowry, Steve Nash, Akeem Olajuwon, or Nick Van Exel. And it would probably be, I know that's a weird list. Uh, yeah, it'd be Lowry with the LOB probably. Yeah. Or Nash because of the Canadian roots. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who would you go with? Oh, Michael Jordan holding the two balls out. <laughs> Wings. You'd just buy the poster. <laughs> yeah, and then paint it. Paint over it. I did that. <laughs> I did that. I came up with that. All right. Final piece here. Uh, it's a wild card. After initially pairing Harden uh, with Dwight Howard in Houston, Maury had pivoted to a small ball strategy, Maury ball, as it became known, with an extreme focus on threes and free throws and a complete abandonment of the mid-range with Harden as its centerpiece. It was wildly successful. A smash hit in it, sorry, a smash hit in an actual musical Maury produced called Small Ball, where one of the songs is entitled We Were Small, Pass Me the Ball. I butchered reading that, but... Ramona out of nowhere tacks on this idea that Maury was involved and produced a musical called Small Ball that was, you know, somehow based around uh, Maury Ball and and the Harden Rockets. (laughs) I had forgotten about this, that this was a musical in 2018. This I did remember. Uh, Maury is like a huge Broadway fan. I remember it must have been at All Star in Houston. That's the only thing that makes sense. We ran into him. I think I was with Lee at the time. We ran into him. 
uh, in the concourses, and he was just walking around with David Diggs, the guy who became Lafayette from Hamilton. Huh. They're just like, I'm a producer. He's one of the greatest Broadway stars. Hey, meet each other. And then he was like showing up in those NBA commercials and stuff. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, Daryl, true to the game when it comes to Broadway. Uh, Shea Serrano has reviewed this musical. I found the article, and Shea wrote, Small Ball is a great deal of fun. And also surprisingly funny, and also at times surprisingly tender, which is remarkable given how weird the show actually ends up being. (laughs) Uh, There are 16 total songs. First 12 occur in the first act, four coming in the second. (laughs) I like the breakdown there from Shay. I watched a clip on it. Not for me. I'm not a musical man, but... It is intriguing uh, <laughs> that there is a small ball musical that Maury produced that I guess it only aired or, or was on the stage in Houston for a small uh, window. Okay. Yeah, is, yeah. Is there like a Lakers Celtics musical or something like that too? There might be. There might be. I know, I know. people within this small ball Maury show were, uh, well, somebody, the guy, the, the main person, I guess, is called Michael Jordan, but it's not that Michael Jordan. I is guess it, that's the running Is game. it the other Michael Jordan? No, not Michael B. Jordan. No, Michael C. Jordan. Uh, <laughs> and there's a Pippin. And there's a bird. And there's a magic. I'm serious, man. I, I, I went down a rabbit hole reading about this small ball musical. Give me the music, man. So uh, I like that. Uh, I like that Ramona just slipped this in here. FYI. <laughs> <laughs> we were small. Pass me the ball is a, is a jam from this. Okay. <laughs> cool. I wonder if it's uh, available on Spotify or Apple Music. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Anyway, highly recommend the article from Ramona. A lot of fun uh, breaking down the end of the Maury Harden era. Any final thoughts on uh, these two These two once lovebirds going through a messy divorce? It ain't over till it's over, Skates. Wow. I saw at the very end. Daryl Morey says, I'm not getting rid of that painting. It's one of my prized possessions. It will hang on my wall for the rest of my days. Okay. That's nice. Well, time passed, man. Time may pass. We'll think of James Harden as one of the all-time greats, and maybe they'll be buddies again. Oh. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be nice. That'd be great. Get over it. All right. We're going to take one more break when we come back. Uh, Tweet of the night that involves that Hawks-Wizards game. Don't go anywhere. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately so i've had documents flying in and out the mailbox a lot of signatures both analog and digital a lot of phone calls a lot of stamps got to get my long-term future straight yeah let me tell you skeets the things we build our future around are the things worth protecting making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones watch your assets With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust & Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney, 
It's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash nodunks. Just to put a button on the Maury Hardin article there, we have a couple people here in the stream team chiming in. Uh, VJ writes, don't be sad it's over. Appreciate that it happened. To which Leo responds, I'm happy it's over. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Leo's a bit of a curmudgeon. He might be just happy that whole segment's over. I don't think he was happy from the start of it. Uh, uh, Leo's one of the number one haters out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, I just like the uh, contradiction there between two comments. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Tweet of the Night. It's me. It's me. I'm the one who's uh, reading it. <laughs> yeah. forgot about that part. It How comes from it? Dragonfly Jones. Who tweeted last night, few weeks into the 15-16 season, I knew Golden State was winning 73. That may sound like a spurious claim, Skeets, but he was posting receipts. Whoa, damn. From November okay. of that season, saying, I knew. I knew early on we were witnessing something special. I feel the same way about this wizard squad, but <laughs> on the opposite end of the spectrum. They could very well be the most unserious team of all time. The potential is there. This came as a quote tweet to the hood therapist who had a clip of Jordan Poole throwing Kyle Kuzma and alley-oop off the glass. While the Wizards were down 21 in the second half, mm-hmm. this was balling. <laughs> this is why I had them. They were like probably going to be my third pick, Skeets, uh, for our best games draft last night, specifically because of the alley-oop off the glass, down 20 in the second half. Uh, this was amazing. 130 points for the Hawks last night. That's a season high for them so far this season. The Wizards lost to the Pacers on opening night. Indiana scored a season-high 143 points. Yep. They beat the Grizzlies. The Wizards did. Well, everybody has. Only gave up 106. <laughs> okay. Not bad. Then, Washington lost to the Celtics. Boston scored 126 points, which up until last night was their season-high. A lot of season highs going against the Wizards this season, I do believe. Yeah, so do you think uh, Dragonfly Jones is right here? Like... We, we we could be something. We could be seeing something legendary when it comes to the Washington Wizards, two thousand twenty three twenty four team. I think it's possible. What's the worst record we have? Like nine wins? Was that the Bobcats? Did they win nine games? Well, they was, didn't. Didn't they win even? Uh, there was the shortened season, the one year. Yeah, there was a sixty six game. I feel season. like the Sixers still hold seven, the eighty two game record. Yeah, but I don't know. They could definitely challenge, and <laughs> I will say, um. Right now, they're only 28th in defense. So let's start with that, which is better than the Bucks, which is just odd to see. Better than the Pacers, who gave up a ton of points against uh, the Celtics last night. Currently, Washington has the seventh worst defense of all time. Mm. Those two teams are obviously worse than them right now. So the Bucks, worst defense in league history. And then San Antonio, Houston, Detroit, and Portland last season. There's a chance that they could end at the very worst defense in NBA history this season. But the good thing is, is they are going to be approaching JaVale McGee levels of Shaq and a Fool, I think, this year. Yeah. Uh, they called it Shaq and a Pool 
this past week because That's they good. did a super cut of Jordan Poole lowlights uh, from the first week of the season, uh, celebrating a missed three from the corner, the yeah. walk back and get blocked by Kristaps <laughs> Porzingis. Uh, there was just another weird turnover, which I kind of thought was piling on at that point. Mm. But unfortunately for the Wizards, it feels a little bit like they're back in the knucklehead era right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to confirm, Charlotte Bobcats, 2012, 7-59. Good one. That was the record. That's the worst losing percentage of all time. But in an 82-game season, it's the 73-76ers, uh, 9-73. and 73. We also have the 2016 Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. who went 10-72. and 72. The opposite of those iconic Bulls teams. Uh, and then, you know, the Mavs in 93, 11 and 71. The oh, yeah, Nuggets in 98. One. I don't remember that. 11 and 71. <laughs> you remember the 98 Nuggets going 11 and 71? I got to be honest. I really around? don't remember that. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's the Bobcats and, and really the Sixers if we're going 82 oh, games. Of course, Bryant Stith was around. Oh, man. Name one other player on the Denver Nuggets from 1998. You from can do 98? it. You can do Is it. Is McDice uh, there? Uh, no McDice yet, but probably... Robert Pack? He's not still there. Robert isn't there, but maybe another notable... Lafonso Ellis? There you go. Yeah, That's who okay. I was thinking. Okay. And who then, else? Give me else. Uh, you know Kiwan Garris? Illinois boy. I've never heard of that name. Yeah. Oh, Bobby Jackson? Rookie Bobby Jackson? Okay. Priest Lauderdale? Biggest shorts in NBA history? Yes. Don't know if that's true, but it felt like it. <laughs> Joe Wolf. These are some names. Tony Batie? They had Tony yeah. Batie and Bobby Jackson and only one... 11 games? That's ridiculous. That is unbelievable. All right. Let's call it there, guys. Thanks for joining us here today. If you're a Survivor fan, we got another podcast coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern over at the No Buffs YouTube page. (coughs) Excuse me. We'll be breaking down an incredible episode. Episode 6 of Survivor 45 from last night. So much to talk about. That's at 1 p.m. Eastern live on YouTube. When we flip it into a podcast, you can find No Buffs wherever you listen and download podcasts. Leave your boys a five-star rating and review. We're back tomorrow with the Drop Podcast. Uh, so we will look forward to seeing you at 10 a.m. Eastern. Enjoy the games tonight. Till then, Clipper Bro. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, Skeets, who was the leading scorer on the 1993 Dallas Mavericks? Uh, Jamal Mashburn. No, he was gone, but you hear. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.